1999 The Podcast is a production of the Cage Club Podcast Network. For more podcasts on movies, comics, and all things pop culture, head to cageclub.me. To contact us with questions, comments, or just to say hi, send us an email at 1999 at cageclub.me. You can find me on Twitter at ProbablyRealJB and Joey at SoulPopped. And you can follow the show on Twitter at 1999thepodcast. To support the show, please subscribe, rate, and review wherever you listen to podcasts. The show is written, produced, and edited by us. Welcome to a special weekend edition of 1999 The Podcast. I am John Brooks. And I'm Joey Lewandowski. And Joey, I know uh, you remember that I kept trying to get in touch with Stanley Kubrick, but he would not return my calls. Um, but for the first time, we, we have a director of one of our 1999 movies. In fact, the last one we did. So before we move on to Sharks, uh, we are going to talk about Drop Dead Gorgeous one more time with the film's director, Michael Patrick Jen, who is joining us. Hello, Michael. How are you? I'm well. Thank you for having me. It's very, very kind of you to uh, extend an invitation. Uh, it's a great pleasure. For those people who, who don't know your background, um, I think it all starts, you were one of the founding members of the state, yes? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and you were kind of like the Terry Gilliam <laughs> of the sure. state. Sure, sure. Is that a way of saying it? What does that mean? What is I, I, I like? I'm, I know the state, and I know Terry Gilliam. I have yeah. no idea what you mean. I'm the only one in the state who wasn't British. Um, uh-huh. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, I, it means I was. I mostly was. Uh, I directed the show gotcha. uh, okay, okay. for the most part, and uh, uh, I mean, I did like everybody. Everybody kind of did everything, but I mostly um, directed and edited the show, and was you know, but, but did the other things with everybody else too. Was, uh, cool. Thank you for using uh, Earth words instead of weird British analogies. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I think Terry Gilliam's from Minnesota, so it's not is he really? Yeah. yeah. Wow. He's uh, the only okay. member of Python that's not English. Mm. So you're learning so much today, Joey. Already, it's going to go in one ear, not the other. <laughs> it's it's quite a quite a learning experience for you. Um, yeah, I wanted to, we want to talk specifically about Drop Dead Gorgeous and a couple other things. But um, so you you have directed one movie. Well, two now, but yeah, I just directed another movie. I like to wait twenty or so years between projects. Um, <laughs> Smart. I just uh, uh, I have a movie that'll be coming out sometime, some point this year. That is oh. a uh, Western horror movie. Ooh, uh, like it already. Yeah, it's pretty good. It came out really well, so I'm very excited for it. It's called The Organ Trail. O-R-G-A. I saw that. I, I, that's, I didn't see the movie, but I saw that that existed. Yeah. So it'd be weird if I saw the movie already. It would mean it would be <laughs> working distribution at Paramount, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right, so the genesis of you going from doing The State and some TV to suddenly doing this feature film 24-ish years ago. Um, mm-hmm. Tell us about how that came to be. Oh, I mean, it's pretty straightforward, really. It was, uh, I did the state, and uh, after the state, you can you can read about the history of the state in many places. Go ahead and Google that. There's even a <laughs> giant book about it that's about mm-hmm. as, um, a real doorstopper of a book. That's the whole history of the state. Um, uh, by Corey Stoltz, uh, called 
the union of the state. So you can read about that there. But uh, after um, we finished our sort of our run, our TV run, um, I did. I started doing. I got in. Started doing commercials uh, as a uh, way to make money, <laughs> since since uh, uh, that's a necessary thing in our culture. Um, <laughs> so I hear. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and uh, while I was doing that, I just, it was, you know, I was getting sent scripts, you know, I had an agent and we get sent scripts and I was mostly sent scripts that were pretty abysmal and atrocious. And I would go meet on them and have my crazy ideas or say things about them and then not be offered them. And this one I was offered. I went in and it's sort of funny because some, a lot of, some of the things that were actually in my initial pitch to New Line as it existed then, I feel like very good about the fact that many of the things that I actually pitched sort of you, per your podcast episode sort of landed with an audience. I mean, decades later, but it was, it was sort of like, it was exactly the things that uh, one of the things, one of the reasons I wanted to come talk to you guys is some of the things that were said by your guests and you guys on the podcast were exactly the things that the movie was about. It was a, you guys seem to really understand the movie. Yeah, so that's actually that leads to a good question, um, or a, a maybe a question, maybe not a good question, but you know, now it lands. People love it now. It's what people call a cult classic. We had a great episode about it where we all love that people have loved it for years. I saw it for the first time that week, and I also loved it. But like, you make this movie, you ha- you probably know in your heart that it's good. It's going to connect with audiences. Then it comes out, and people don't love it. Uh, people react to it weirdly. People don't understand it. Like, what what is that like? What was it like specifically with this? Were you did you did you see the 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 bright horizon down the road, or were you just what happened? The 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 bright horizon. I don't know. I'm just using metaphors. <laughs> I don't I don't really have a question. I I ramble for a while, but like, did you did you what was it like when it when it was not received the way that maybe you had hoped? Oh, it was it's really devastating when people you know don't like you know the thing that you've done, especially if you're. If, if, I mean, I did like it. It wasn't a question. Like I've certainly worked on projects over the course of, you know, I've been a director for, you know, almost for almost 25 years. Uh, now it's uh, I have a 25 year long career and sometimes people like things. Sometimes people don't like things, but you know, and sometimes you do things that they come out and you're like, well, that wasn't awesome. <laughs> but, hmm. um, but this was the, like I set out, this is very, it was very close to the movie that I set out to make. I mean, I made it when I was 27 and I'm 50, almost 53 now. Um, and uh, uh, it was the movie that I intended to make. And initially people really did like it, like before it was released and stuff, there was a lot of sort of buzz around it. And they do a lot of like pre putting it out there for critics and, or for people, you know, what and you know media influencers such as they existed at that time before there was really much internet around um to sort of like drum up heat around it and it played really well and uh you know it would played some festivals and did did well there and uh so it was a kind of a big surprise to me and especially as you know being quite a bit younger and not nearly as I guess what we could battle hardened as I am now it was a, it was a big disappointment. And I almost immediately after the movie came out, sort of retreated to advertising. It was like, well, maybe I'll just make advertising my career mm-hmm. <laughs> after that. And was a little gun shy of doing, uh, coming back out and f- felt sort of like, Oh, well, maybe, I don't know, maybe what I do, people just don't like what I like. Um, 
And a lot of people, you know, I would go to meetings and people would say, oh, this movie's ahead of its time. It'll be a whatever. People will appreciate it someday. And I was like, great. But what about now? <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. I kind of um, need to be. Yeah. So then, so clearly between then and now, people have, it has found its audience. People love it. It is beloved. Did you, is that something that happened gradually over time? Do you remember a moment where you're like, hey, like that, this is cool. Like, was there, is like slowly over time, was there one thing that sort of like pivoted the movie toward being, you know, hey, maybe, maybe this deserves a second look? Well, I, I sort of had to store it away in my memory as being like, nobody can, I mean, you know, whatever, you would do a thing and then no matter what, it's kind of just over after you're, you're done with it. You don't, I didn't have any interest in, I don't think about it. I never didn't. I spent 20 years not thinking about it. You know? mm. So I think, you know, one of the things there was, a, uh, there was a Buzzfeed, there was someone from Buzzfeed who did a big feature about it. And I was sort of like, he would, and honestly, I, I really didn't know that there was uh, much, it was not a movie that was even available. It, it sort of like new line sort of transformed into a different company and, it didn't, was folded into Warner brothers and didn't really have uh, like, there were no champions for it. And it didn't really, no one was in charge of getting it out there. So it really wasn't available for a really long time. And even now, no one's, no one is a champion of it. There's no, there's, it kind of sporadically appears in streaming and they put out like a deluxe Blu-ray edition of it, like a couple of years ago and stuff like that. But it's not like, you know, it's not, it's a wonderful life. Um, <laughs> Should be. Um, yeah, maybe someday. That's that culture. Every all, Christmas, <laughs> every Christmas we visit. The heartwarming story. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so I, I was actually it was the guy who I can't remember his name right now, but the fellow who wrote the article for uh, BuzzFeed who sort of like clued me into it and the fact that um, you know that like that Peaches Christ had done that show in um, right, right in San Francisco, which I would have loved to have seen. Uh, and then, you know, then over the years, like people will do podcast episodes about it or people will reach out or there'll be a screening of it here or there and stuff like that. So it's, it's very gratifying to me to that, that it, it, it ultimately it did find it has found its audience. It's just found it a couple decades later. <laughs> Looks like the BuzzFeed guy was Lewis Peitzman, maybe look yeah, like yeah, 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 exactly. back in 2014. Yeah. So shout out to that guy. And then, you know, I think someone even mentioned like there's a great Gia Tolentino, who's a terrific writer you know, serious writer wrote a great article about it. That was, I was like, it's really was like, <laughs> like, so like a super smart article about it. And I was like, Oh, well, good. Like, great. Somebody, somebody connected with it. That's awesome. I mean, you know, when you do, when, for, at least for me, like work is it's work is generally speaking, it's sort of its own reward. Like you want people to like it uh, because it's kind of like your, you know, your baby or something like that. It's reflective of you as a person. And when people reject the thing that you've made, it feels a little like they're rejecting you. But ultimately, you know, for me, the work is its own work is its own reward. Like you make a thing and the reward was you got to make the thing. Right. Not that you got to like uh, hoist a statue or like go, you know, give a speech or something like that. I mean, yeah, well, a comedy that's ahead of its time as well often has to go through this. I mean, like the state was pretty niche. It, 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 had, a, it had kind of a cult, oh, um, right? It's so, <laughs> so niche. So and people so, of my age now, right? We, we it's it is a it is a icon of our of our youth um, at this point. But we had to become old before it became <laughs> before it became mainstream, right? Um, so you know, sometimes sometimes great comedy great comedy does that. But I, I wonder if like one of the things that seems to be happening uh, when you watch the movie is like everybody 
involved seems to be having a great time. Um, so, so was that accurate? Like, is was the was the set and the experience of making the movie as uh, as fun as it seems to be? Well, I mean, I think that that's important that to to recognize that like it, going along is the corollary to sort of like the work is like the, the reward for the work is the work is doing the work itself is to sort of be yeah. appreciative and grateful as you're doing it. And generally speaking, that sort of if you have that mindset, then the experience of making it is regardless of the hardships of it, because every project is a hardship. It's like there's no point in any like project of any significance that I think most of the people involved with it, especially if you're really intensely involved in the actual shooting part of it, don't go like, wait, why was I doing this? (laughs) Yeah. um, uh, But it, uh, uh, um, yeah, it was generally speaking a very, very fun and incredibly, you know, incredibly upbeat and great experience. Like all the actors were really quite wonderful and, uh, you know, I'm not sure Kirstie Alley really wanted to be there all that much, but she, when she was there, she did a good, you know, she did her thing. Um, I think Ellen Barkin at the time was a little upset that she was, as she, as she said, she was like, you know, I'm playing the mother in this. And I'm often, you know, she was complaining about the fact that oftentimes she was staged standing slightly behind. Mm-hmm. Kirsten. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> she was kind of upset about it. <laughs> um, but I think, to her credit, though, even though she was a little upset about that, you know, she kicked ass. She did great, and she and she yeah. even, you know, had that little got a little maybe competitive, you know, especially when she <laughs> saw how good, you know, Allison Janney was, you know, who was next to her almost all the time. Like, and she right. definitely was. She's awesome. She's terrific in the movie. Like, and she, you know, contributed a lot. Like, my method of working is to try to work with the actors in a way where they're you're open to all the, their contributions and that they're at, that, that their, their presence isn't like, you don't want to do the Alfred Hitchcock route of like, you know, their cattle, they need to be told where to stand. They need to be told what to do. Like you want to have as a director, like a firm idea of what you're doing, but also like be creating space, like creating space for people to be awesome inside of. And she was awesome in the space that was created for her. like that little bit where she opens the beer can with the hook hand. Like she came up with that. <laughs> you know, she came up with that. that was her, you know? That's awesome. <laughs> um, one of the things that uh, I, I mentioned in the podcast episode is that at the time this came out, the um, the mockumentary style was nowhere near as ubiquitous as it is today. Yeah, I mean, you get a lot of mockumentary on the state. Right. But in terms of like more widespread mainstream, I mean, now you see it in like The Office and Modern Family and it's, and it's, right, it's right, right. everywhere. Yeah, definitely. When those things came out and everybody was like, this groundbreaking mockumentary format, I was like, <laughs> oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> like, especially, I mean, The Office sort of comes by it, honestly. And then Modern Family, it was sort of grafted on as a, yeah. like a way to do a show and was, you know, it's a, the G, like they did that shit. I mean, Great show, super funny, awesome cast and everything like that. But it was also, um, wasn't exactly like, wasn't exactly as groundbreaking as many people in the sort of mainstream print were extolling it. (laughs) Right. Or, you know, were claiming it was. But, you know, that's the the difference between being like an actual mainstream success and continuing to be a cult success is that. (laughs) (laughs) Right, right. Yeah, I, 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 because I wondered if that was part of, what critics were sort of hard, having a hard time with. I mean, obviously you had Spinal Tap, right? But that was sort of a, uh, 
one of a kind thing. And then he had Guffman, but Guffman wasn't huge by any means. It wasn't a blockbuster. No, and it's a it's a little bit different too because that because because those movies are improvisational. Um, right. That's a sort of a, a, I think a pretty different thing. And this movie, like, it was trying to carve out a slightly different space. Like it's still a mockumentary, but um, one of the things that's not you know like in in Guffman and in um, the best in show and, and, and mm-hmm. those there's not a there, there there's a there's a pretty consistent sort of like it's very much all verite like all of the document it's like it's got one documentary style that it employs and it's a verite style and then in for 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 drop dead gorgeous was trying to include you know a little bit of like thin blue line and you know a little bit of like other documentary styles that weren't just verite um, right, right. And, um, include a sort of like to try to create a little bit more of like a collision of different styles yeah. inside of it to turn so it would continue so it would have a little it would feel spontaneous the filmmaking would feel spontaneous by dint of being able to go back and forth from things that were very proscenium based and things that were more sort of like put the camera standing back from the action looking at it to try to place the viewer a little farther away from it and then and, and then to and then and be able to jump the viewer into the middle of it and then also be able to like cover the pageant as if it was a television event. And um, so even that, it's a documentary style. Like everything that's in the movie, it was pretty, um, for better or for worse, everything that's in the movie would have been shootable as a documentary. Like there's no point in the movie where there's not a camera where there should be a camera. Interesting. Um, if, if you, which not everybody notices, but I think it really, it lends it. Even the, the scene where... <clears throat> Kirsten is talking to Brett, which is a long dialogue sequence where two people are facing each other, which there aren't a lot of in the movie. Um, half the scene is shot from one direction, and then there's a cutaway to the librarian, and then the second half of the scene is shot from a different direction, so that those cameras never have to cross each other. Like at no point, at no point are you seeing a space where there should be a camera where there isn't one. Did you and you might have answered this question a million times in the past? Did you have any history with? pageants like did you have like a sister or relative or a friend or anybody who like grew up doing that or was this just something that you're like oh there's funny here well i mean as i think you pointed out in the um um, your podcast uh lana who who wrote the movie like she was a miss teen america or miss teen or something like that like it's 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 she's the one who she she had the background in pageants and then you know i did a lot of research on it um, but I didn't particularly have a passion. What I did have a background in was growing up in a small town. Mm. And that was the thing that was important to me because, you know, a couple like two things, like one of the things that, for instance, people who didn't like, who don't like the movie or didn't like the movie would often say, it was like, it's so broad. It's so outrageously broad. And I was like, well, not really. I mean, it's, yeah. to be honest, like it's not much, it's not more broad than an actual beauty pageant is in many, in many respects, like there's some, like, there's you know, a few visual reaches and stuff like that, but not that, not that many, like, <laughs> research, like so some really crazy shit happens in those pageants. Yeah. So the stuff that people do in the pageants is bananas. And the other thing is that the sort of like the tenor of the small town, like a lot of times people would accuse it of like punching down at small towns. And to me, I was like, I don't feel like the movie, I personally did not feel as if the movie was ever punching down partially because I was like, if you feel like the movie's punching down, you are putting yourself above those people. Right. Right. You are considering yourself to be like 
above those characters. And to me, I felt like I'm one of those characters. Like that's how I grew up. Like I grew up in that milieu and it, and it just felt, it felt relatively truthful. And as someone pointed out, like the movie does have a lot, like it was very careful to be like, um, approach the movie in a sort of like heartful way and at least respect the fact that these people are fucked up and they might be fucked up in venal, but they also are, you know, have, you know, they also have emotions and those emotions are given a sort of like true, a true, uh, are, are given space to be true. And stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, it's okay. not, a, it's not as means it is in equal parts, kind, kind hearted as it is mean spirited. And that, <laughs> and that is a kind of like, a, 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 and that's the, and that's one of the reasons that it's a, maybe a little ahead of its time is that at the time people didn't seem to be able to accept or like be able to grasp the meshing of those two things. Well, yeah, and there's a real cynicism at that time. I mean, like it was it was a cynical time, right? And 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 I think people maybe dug too far into the cynicism and didn't see the heart. You know, I think that might have been something that aging and just the passage of time into the 21st century um, helped with. And I, I think I think we talked about it in the episode too, but it just feels like everyone who is pointing out that it's so this or so that isn't understanding for one reason or another, like what you're actually trying to do and sort of successfully pulling off. It just, oh, it seems mean. It's like, well, it's not mean. You just don't get it. Like it's it's hard to. I think I don't know. Yeah, I don't think that the movie itself is not mean, but the people are mean sometimes, and that's just true. Yeah. People are mean, especially in competitive situations. Ultimately, the sort of guiding ethos for <clears throat> the sort of philosophical thing about the movie aside from the emotional thing was that what the movie's about is the movie's about becoming a success in America. Right. That's the sort of like, so whether that's through beauty pageants or whether it's through, you know, becoming a news anchor or something like that, it's the nature of the, sort of the someone else got shot. Yeah. It's the capricious nature. Yes. <laughs> sort of like Amber, ultimately the, 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 um, to be to become a success in this kind of like you know we we live in a avowedly dog eat dog society like this is it's not an accident that that like our country in in, in a business and politics is run by like you know narcissists it's because those are the people who will kill other people in order to become successful and not think twice about it the capitalism is that way it's like you survival of the fittest so if you want to survive then you have to be fit and you have to be willing to go there to do those things. And you also, because of that, unless you are uh, like, uh, or even if you are like a sort of like murderous CEO of some company or something like that, you still have to be lucky as hell to get into it. Like I, we added that, that little bit of like, you know, good things happen to good people, you know? And, and then her go, is that true? And he's like, no, it's not true. You're just lucky as hell. Enjoy it. <laughs> I specifically added in just for that, for that reason, you know, to, to, get that thought out there. I love it. We have questions that we normally do at the end, but I'm curious where this, this can maybe lead to other discussion. And I, you know, I'm sure you have lots of friends in the industry. Maybe this might be a little bit biased, but at the end of every episode, we'd like to ask our guests what their favorite movie from 1999 was. And I would assume, I would hope, that your favorite movie <laughs> from that year. You're going to pick Blair Witch Project? No. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of documentaries-ish. Yeah. yeah, exactly. But do you, have a, do you have a favorite movie from that year that isn't one that you uh, made? I'd have to look at a list of movies. <laughs> well, then maybe an easier question or also maybe a diff- more difficult question. Do you have a favorite movie of all time or some a movie that you go back to often enough or like one that you're like, you could always watch that one? Yeah, it's a total, well, I have some many very cliched answers to that. Nice. <laughs> Which is that I've seen Taxi Driver hundreds of times. Cool. Um, and it was one of the things like when I was 
even when I was a teenager and when I was in film school, I would just, wa I would watch it. You know, I had a, the VHS copy that I had taped off of Cinemax, you know, at home. And then I had a laser disc of it, you know, later when, when that was the thing. And, and um, I've seen it so many times and I've seen it in, in pieces and all the way through and watched it with the sound off and watched it with the picture off to just listen to the sound. Like as a sort of like, this is a, te as a teaching thing as a young, yeah. like when I was in film school, it was really revelatory to me to like, I watched it with the sound off and was like, really like struck by how, like, you know, you take the sound elements out of it, like the way, in, the way in which is edited is so not what you think of. Like when people like get on the internet and we're like, I noticed a discontinuity and you're like, taxi driver is one long discontinuity from beginning to end. <laughs> <laughs> like almost net, like they don't like, Thomas Schumacher and Myron Scorsese don't care about what people's hands, what position people's hands were in. <laughs> like they don't run the edits based on that. Like that's not how their pictures, the pictures are put together. And you don't have to be concerned, concerned about those sort of things. But I, I learned a lot from that movie on, on a million levels. Another movie that I watch on in a more lighthearted way, like a lot is um, Rear Window. Mm. Ooh, okay. a huge favorite of mine and uh i've watched that over and over and over and over and over again um and uh uh you know from that the great lesson i think is is to center your is to is when you're directing is to, is to be always be conscious of centering your point of view like that movie is very specific because it's specifically revolves around somebody's actual point of view like looking through a lens right but you realize in that's a movie, that is a movie that's about movie making. Mm, like it's yeah. about storytelling. Like all of the windows, like if you notice, like to get all film schooly about it, like the windows that he's looking at are in the shape of movie screens. Like those windows right. could have been any shape, right. but they're not. They're the shape of a movie screen. <laughs> he's watching a movie. So you're, you're seeing stories from his point of view. So those stories acquire meaning because of the way that, because of the thing that they mean to him. So whenever you're shooting anything, whether it's a TV or a movie or whatever, you're thinking, I'm always thinking this will acquire meaning based on how, where I put the audience in the scene. So you put the audience in either another character spot, like, oh, this has meaning because it impacts this character that way. So you position the camera and you work the sound. So it's, it, it's, it's point of view. That's, that's the point of view. It's what, so you can either put them in a character or you can put them in a third person. You can put them anywhere. <clears throat> I think that that's the lesson to take the takeaway from that movie. It's the most extreme point of view movie. Yeah. You can apply that to, and if you read like Hitchcock Truffaut, the book, like he talks about that, uh, Hitchcock talks about having point of view is super important. Like that's how movies acquire emotion and meaning is through point of view. So are you, are you, does your uh, appreciation of that movie mean that you have also watched the various remakes and reinterpretations of it? Shia LaBeouf in Disturbia? I've seen a little bit of it, but it's also sort of like, you know, I haven't watched a lot of other like killer shark movies, but I've seen Jaws a million times. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a great segment because our next movie is a killer shark movie. So, yeah. uh, you know. Oh, what, what is that? Deep Blue Sea. Oh. LL Cool J. Oh, wait. Is that the Samuel one where the shark Jackson. Through the, oh, yeah. Where the shark eats Sam Jackson? Mm -hmm. yeah. Through yeah, the, like, through the speech? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I remember that pretty vividly. I remember that part of it pretty vividly. <laughs> Everybody does. Actually, here's a here's a question that, like, you know, because you're you're John John and I have wildly different 
experiences in 1999 because I was 11 and he was how old are you 20 20 and so he saw a lot of these movies were you going to see movies in 99 or were you (laughs) just working like what what was 99 because I know you don't you don't know what movies came out there but like John seems to have lived at the movie theater that summer and I was like I'm gonna play what video game would I have been playing then like (laughs) Sega Saturn maybe I don't know but like did you go see movies a lot that summer like what were you what was your entertainment like in 99 yeah, I mean, I've been a lifelong movie. I mean, I like movies. That's yeah. You know, I'm I've always uh, I've always always been a moviegoer. Yeah, you know, my mom, my you know, I grew up by, with a single mom who would drag me and my sister to the movies, just probably just because just to get out of the house. You know, and even in some instances, like we didn't have air conditioning, so during the summer we would just go. Uh, there was like, there was air conditioning at the movies. Like that was an actual selling. <laughs> yeah. Like, uh, is that, you know, you could go and sit in the air conditioning for two hours. Yeah. So I yeah. saw, I saw tons of movies. Like one of the, like, you know, I remember once my mom taking me to like dragging me to go see Victor Victoria. Mm-hmm. As a kid. Mm-hmm. And I didn't want to see it. Like, it didn't matter. Like my mom just, just, just like, it's playing, we're going. Um, <laughs> You know, we went to see it and I, you know, I still vividly remember seeing it, but we walked out of the theater and it was a, we went to see it in a, it was a two, it was one of the new, it was a theater that had just been twinned. So it had two Mm. two screens now. And um, we walked out and it was pouring rain. And my mom was like, "Ugh!" like our car was parked on the far front of the parking lot. And she was just like, let's just go see the other movie. (laughs) (laughs) So we went and saw Death Trap. Oh, wow. And that was like a great, like, that was just, that was a great day for me as a kid <laughs> yeah i had a similar thing where i saw dark city and la confidential uh, on the same day oh yeah i also saw aliens and the fly on the same day oh Ooh. jesus that, is... <laughs> that was an intense double double feature day all right john we gotta do 1986 the podcast i know we keep about that. i know it, there's a lot there's a lot of years this one just is uh it's especially great um all right we're gonna let you go in a minute uh before we do do you want to i don't know if you can legally talk about um or Oregon Trail, which sounds great. Uh, yeah. When's when's it coming out? Who's it, who's in it? Et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. It's, I don't know exactly when it's coming out. It'll be out sometime this year. It may be going to a, it may be going to a festival or two. It's a Paramount is releasing it. So it'll have a, it'll have a probably fairly small um, theatrical release. So it will be in theaters and then it's going to be on Showtime for sure. Cool. And then after Showtime, it will be on Paramount Plus. If you do happen to see it in the theater, go and see it. It's really, there's no, I will, this is what I will say is that it, it's, there is no other movie like it. It's a good selling point. There are, there are two, there are kind two. Of like dropped it gorgeous. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. I'm, I'm, it's, it's destined to be a cult classic. <laughs> In 20 something years. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> um, uh, it, it's a, uh, it's a, it's a movie. It's a, it's a Western that is also a horror movie and it's very, it's, it's it's a it's a real ride it's it's really like audiences like freak out when they see it oh great mm-hmm. all right that sounds cool. uh sounds uh, up joey's alley for sure yeah, yeah it has uh, no uh it has no there are no big stars in it um i sold the movie based on the the premise and on believe it or not on me like someone wanted to make a movie with me specifically so i was like great <laughs> 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 I like that Westerns are back. Like it felt like for a while Westerns weren't around and now Westerns seem back and people seem interested and passionate about it. And I think that's a cool thing. Yeah. And this one in particular is, has the values of some of the values of a Western, but also has 
it also, yeah, I, without spoiling it, it's, 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 re, it's really effective. Oh. <laughs> well, Joey, when we did Ravenous, I mean, I think Cody said that he found the movie because he's looking for horror westerns and it's like, yeah, well, right. yeah, that's good. yeah. yeah there's, there's, I mean, there's Ravenous and there's Bone Tomahawk. Yep. That's the other one I talked about. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But only one of them bisects a man in half with a hatchet. Oh, my God. I know. Well, that's one of the things. It's like, Bone Tomahawk is a pretty good movie. And there's all sorts of, like, really great performances. And the reason I watched it whenever I watched it was, I was like, Richard Jenkins is in this movie? Yeah. Like, Richard Jenkins is really picky. Like, Richard Jenkins is one of those actors, like, if you have a project and you're like, wouldn't Richard Jenkins be good at it? All the casting people go like, he's never going to do this. <laughs> Like the new Kevin Klein, you know, that's the the joke being like Kevin's nickname in the casting world was Kevin Decline. Um, oh, that's good. Oh wow, that's good trivia. I never knew that. Um, but uh, like, so I saw Richard Jenkins was like, okay, well, there must be something good in this, and it has great scenes. Yeah, like there's great scenes, and the actors are all really good. And then it's also like batshit crazy, and it has one, <laughs> and it has one, as you just said, like one unbelievably horrific thing that happens mm-hmm. that makes you forget everything else in the movie. Yeah, the wild thing is like you don't know it's a horror movie. Like it earns its horror status, but you don't know it's a horror movie until like you're in a horror movie. You're like, oh wow, okay. Well, it starts as a horror movie, if you remember. Like it kind of like starts. It has a sort of like a ride the world. Uh, what's that called? That that movie with um Jack, young Jack Nicholson. I think he also wrote the Monty Hellman movie, Ride oh. the World, Ride the Wind, Ride the World, something like that. But um, it, it starts out kind of like that. And then it turns pretty quickly into a horror movie and then it just forgets about it <laughs> that it's a horror movie for like an hour and becomes a sort of like Western sort of like, we got to go get on our horses and go out and find, you know, rescue so-and-so rescue the damsel. And then it turns back into a very horrific movie <laughs> ride in the whirlwind. Is that it? Yeah, I think that's it. Cool. That okay. sounds right. Yeah. Like that's the beginning of the movie is feels to me like, like that. Yeah. Cool. Well, thank you so much. This was awesome. And thank you for yes, making great. one great movie. And hopefully, I know for sure, two great movies. Yeah, I think you guys will, I, having, yeah, I think you'll, I think you'll, if you like those, if you'll like it. Cool. Okay. <laughs> well, uh, maybe do a special episode about that. Um, Fantastic. Once it comes out, so. uh, Michael, thanks so much. Appreciate you taking the time. Um, and good luck with the movies. Yeah, thank you very much. Thank you, guys. Good to talk to you. Be well. Take a nothing day, make it all seem worthwhile.